Shalom, and thank you for listening to the weekly teaching from Nachamu Ami. It's our honor that you've chosen to participate virtually, and we hope that this lesson will be an inspiration in your daily walk. We'd love to hear from you with a comment, a prayer request, or questions you might have. We believe the mission and message of Messianic Judaism is something the world needs now. If you enjoy these teachings, would you consider financially supporting the work of Nachamu Ami by visiting our website at www.makeandmessianic.com and clicking the Give Online button in the upper right corner. Thank you and enjoy the message. I want to do something today that needs to be done. That always sounds like a bad thing. It's not. It's a great thing. We're going to land, we're going to land this plane. Actually, we're going, to land, we're going to land four planes at once, which is a real, it's a real feat. We've spent a lot of time over the last several months. We started back uh, talking about Andy Stanley, right? And then that launched us into Acts. And then something happened in Pittsburgh, something tragic, which launched us into anti-Semitism and a series we've done there. And it's Hanukkah. So we've got four different planes in the air right now. And I said, I'm going to land those planes, but I decided today uh, I'm going to let God land those planes for us and I will serve as co-pilot today. So I'm praying that God will give me the words to say, Avinu Shabbat that is my prayer. Give me the words to say to make this meaningful. So I'm not, you know, talking about Andy Stanley. People are like, oh gosh, not again. This is not a tirade, okay? We're not going to talk. It's not an Andy Stanley tirade. Talking about anti-Semitism. I'm not going to make you feel bad. I'm not going to make you leave feeling discouraged or like, oh my gosh, I can't believe. Like, this is a horrible this whole Christian history thing that he keeps beating us up. No, I'm not doing that either. Hanukkah, I'm not even really going to talk to you too much about like the deep spiritual significance of Hanukkah. Though there is some, there is much. I'm going to talk to you about the practical significance of Hanukkah. And last but not least, it's December. It's the Gregorian year, right? I want to take us out with a blessing and a vision. That's going to be something that... Um, is very important for us given the first three things that I just mentioned. So I want to talk first just about an assignment that I got with First Fruits of Zion because I was, and Andy Stanley got a lot of attention, right? Still is getting a lot of attention. And this book was released, which is called Irresistible by Andy Stanley. So the whole series that was talking about unhitching your faith from the Old Testament is based on this book. I was tasked along with two colleagues at First Fruits of Zion to read this book and then give a rebuttal. And so we did, it was supposed to be a 20-minute video teaching that the three of us did together on problems with this book. We cut it off at an hour. Because irresistible, reclaiming the new that Jesus unleashed for the world. Okay, here's here's the problem with this book, and I really I'm you can you can buy it if you want. I'd wait till it goes used on Amazon because I'd hate to see you spend the amount of money that you need to to buy a new copy. You can buy it if you want to read it. And here's what you'll experience in the first half of this book. You ever watched a car wreck happen? <laughs> that feeling of 
no! This is like that times 100. This is like watching an execution, the first 150 pages of this book. And I want to summarize these pages. I said I'm not on a tirade, and I'm not, but I want to tell you where, kind of where Andy ends up on page 139. Paul could not be any clearer. God's covenant with Israel was made obsolete the moment Jesus ratified the new covenant. Okay? So, listen. The, and, and 138 pages prior to that, it's a lot of that. And there's a lot of different things in here that, like, it surprises me that he wouldn't know that they're, like, coming close to the edge of at least anti-Jewish, if not anti-Semitic. But listen, here's what I want to say about this today. The last half of the book is actually good. But not as Andy intended it. He continues with what he just said all through the rest of the book about how all we need is Jesus. Okay? Now, I was at dinner last night at my house. I had some non-Messianic people there. I said, what does that mean to you? All we need is Jesus. And there's not an answer to that question. Why? Because if all if 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 the answer and I know what the answer is, I know what the traditional answer is. All we need is Jesus because nothing else matters on this earth or anything that's coming after. We just need Jesus. But you have to put that in context. You need Jesus to enter into the world to come. You need Jesus in his perfection, his sinless everything so that when God sees you for judgment, He doesn't see you. He sees Yeshua and His perfection. But I'm going to say something bold. Jesus is not all you need on earth when you put it in the context of this author saying, you shall not observe the Ten Commandments which is a quote in the book. Thou shalt not observe the Ten Commandments. Okay? But here's the problem, and here's where Andy's right. Andy goes on to say, at the end of the book, he talks about the nuns. You know the nuns? Not N-U-N-S-N-O-N-E-S. There is a new group, the nuns. When asked, what is your religious preference? Check the box. None of the above. Okay? This is uh, like 42% of the American population are identifying as nuns. Okay? And he talks about this, and one of the greatest quotes in this line, in this book, from Andy Stanley, and I'm thankful he said it. And what is the church's response? Skinny jeans and moving lights. That is an awesome appraisal of how we have, dis- or how the, the church communities have decided to be relevant to people that don't actually care. And here's another great thing he indicates you need to know the difference between the post Christian and the non Christian. Do you know the difference? 
The non-Christian has never heard the gospel. The non-Christian doesn't know the story, doesn't know the Bible, doesn't know anything. Blank slate. The post-Christian knows it, grew up with it, lived with it, was told you need to do this this way, was told this is the interpretation of this and no other. This is why science and religion can never, ever meet. And the post-Christian said, I don't need it. And they threw it out. So his premise is, what they actually threw out is the Bible. But the Bible in his estimation here that mainly is thrown out is the Old Covenant. And therefore, all we need is Jesus, but we don't even really need the Bible or the words it says. We just need to build our lives on the fact that Yeshua resurrected from the grave. And that's all. And if we start right there and we stop telling people what they have to think and why the Bible can't have contradictions and be okay, all those things, if we stop doing that, then we'll get everybody back. Now, he's right about a part of that. And that's something that I want to talk to you about today. But uh, as it relates to us in a messianic community. But let me give you these just quick things so you have this context. A post-Christian society is not merely a society in which agnosticism or atheism is the prevailing fundamental belief. It's a society rooted in the history, culture, and practices of Christianity, but in which the religious beliefs of Christianity have been either rejected or worse, forgotten. Okay? You, you, a Judeo-Christian nation, maybe once, but harder to say that now. Right? <clears throat> he also says, and I mean, some of you are like, I can't believe he's, uh, he's come a long way. He's quoting Andy Stanley's book now. Many, perhaps most, folks who've walked away from faith walked away for reasons that had virtually nothing to do with the new that Jesus introduced. What is the new Jesus introduced? Get rid of the old covenant. You don't need it. Okay? They walked away from a version of Christianity anchored to and supported by the Old Covenant. It's a version best described as a house of cards. If the earth wasn't created in six days, why should anyone believe Jesus rose after three? The correct answer is because 2,000 years ago, God entered history. And he goes on to talk about that and how everything needs to be built on that. The reason our evangelistic endeavors result in more recycling than conversion is our methods and approaches assume non-Christian rather than post-Christian. That's right. Okay. So what I'm telling you is, and what I agree with him about, and what this book has right, is that what we've always done is not working anymore. But it's not about us. It's the Spirit of God. You're right. Where is the Spirit of God leading us? That's the question. It's not what God, what can we do? What should we figure out? It's uh, me, 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 me. What are you showing us about how we need to affect a culture that has become careless about the Bible? Plain one, down. Plain two, anti-Semitism. That attitude, that book, is only fuel for what eventually becomes full-blown anti-Semitism. 
within our own body of Jew and Gentile. Because when you tell people some of the things, and here's the, here's the issue. Andy's book is only saying what the majority of people already believe. He's just bold enough to come out and be unapologetically replacement theology. That's what that book is. If you ever want a textbook on what replacement theology teaches, believes, and espouses, this is it. Read it. Okay? He's only saying what, what, what has been common thought for 1968 years or so. But it's dangerous. Because it's... And we talked for three or four weeks about this. Hanukkah is the story of a battle against anti-Semitism. Now, in a certain kind of way it is. I mean, Antiochus hated Jews. He killed Jews. He, he, read the book of Maccabees. You should during Hanukkah, first at least. Babies were hung around their mother's necks. People who circumcised their children were killed. They were forced to eat ham. Like all these difficult slaughtering a pig on the on the bait on the uh, on the altar. He was clearly anti-Jewish, but he hated Jews. But that's not actually the real thing. That's a part of it. That's an anti-Semitic part. But the other part, and I talked about this about five years ago, is the syncretism. That's what Hanukkah was a battle against. You know that word. Blending two things that simply do not go together. And what he wanted to do was say, look around at the culture out there. Look at the culture I've brought in. This is Antiochus. Wouldn't you want this? Wouldn't you want to be able to go to the gymnasium and everyone's naked and running around and wrestling and like you can go down here and worship Dionysus and get drunk and you can do all this? And we have really great stuff going on in the Greek culture. Wouldn't you want to? And some Jews said, yeah, I want to. Some Jews in power said, yeah, I want to. Matit Yahu and his sons, the Maccabees, which Maccabee is... A, who knows this? What does Maccabee mean? Hammer. Hammer, right? Maybe. Maybe. Traditional interpretation of Maccabee is that it's from the Aramaic meaning hammer. There's another better one, though. Maccabee's an acronym. For what? Michamocha Bailim Adonai. It's an acronym. They refused to honor another god above Adonai and earned the name Maccabee. It's our story too. But unfortunately, that's a version of what's happening right there. We can't affect the culture, so let's join them. That will not work. And when you, tell a, a, when you tell somebody that 39 books of the Bible are irrelevant, you're leaving them with very little foundation. His idea is that love is all we need. It's a great Beatles song. But, but Yeshua actually didn't, didn't really say that. Yes, He did too in John. He said, I give you a new command. Love one another. 
He says more than that, though. He goes on after, just as I have loved you. In other words, I've shown you how to walk out what? My Father's instruction. I can't do anything on my own. This is Messiah Yeshua talking. I can't do anything on my own, but only what I see the Father doing. What did the Father do? Say, whoops, I made a mistake. Light that Torah on fire with your Hanukkah. Don't need it anymore. Of course not. Love one another like I loved you, how I showed you how to love. You can't, get to, you can't get to I give you a new command and throw out all the rest of them. And this is basic elementary Messianic Judaism. I know you know this. But that's the practical application for us in a time where we have a book like this, we have rising anti-Semitism, and we have a melding of an attitude that can only end up bad for everyone, Jew and Gentile. One in bad teaching. We can't have it. We can't have that. You know, I, I, I wrote a blog... There's a, there's a comedian named Alan King and there are shirts, but I never actually knew it was this Jewish guy who came up with this line. A short history of every Jewish holiday. You know this? Short history of every Jewish holiday. They tried to kill us. We won. Let's eat. See, fried pancakes and donuts and chocolate gelt and all that, it's great. It's really great. But that's not what Hanukkah is. Hanukkah is not even actually primarily about the miracle of the oil. Okay, the, the Talmud has a, has a reference to it. But we, the prayer that we say during the Amidah, listen to what it says. We thank you for the miracles, for the redemption, for the mighty deeds, for the saving acts, and the wonders which you wrought for our ancestors in those days at this time. Bayamim hahem. Lazman hazeh. In the days of Madat Yahu, the son of Yochanan, the high priest, the Hasmonean and his sons, when the wicked Hellenic government, Hellenic government rose up against your people Israel to make them forget your Torah and violate the decrees of your will. Do you hear that? This, this tagline is the story, the ancient story of Hanukkah just became re very relevant again because it keeps being relevant. Pharaoh, Haman, Antiochus, people who want to destroy Israel, and unfortunately, prominent teachers within the communities of believers And so my point is, as this continues, it says, 
Your peop, your, the, your, a, a Greek government rose up against your people Israel to make them forget your Torah, violate the decrees of your will. But you and your abounding mercies stood by them in time of their distress. You waged their battles, defended their rights, and avenged the wrong done to them. You delivered the mighty into the hands of the weak, the many into the hands of the few, the impure into the hands of the pure, the wicked into the hands of the righteous, <coughs> and the wanton sinners into the hands of those who occupy themselves with your Torah. Well, that's a Jewish prayer. Of course they're going to say that. It's a miracle. It's a miraculous happening that God does over and over and over again through His people. And they're always a small remnant. Well, and it always should be. No, it shouldn't. We shouldn't want to be a remnant. We want to affect the world. And the way we affect the world is not to tell them that the Bible is irrelevant, right? And we don't try to reach down into their culture and scoop them up into some magic created world where parts of the Bible don't matter. Here's the challenge, and here's where Andy's right in his own weird way and why I agree with him. And if I agree with him, that's why he's right. You have got to give people the freedom to disagree. You've got to give people the room to interpret the Bible, to discuss the Bible, to have different opinions about the Bible. I want to I point out Rachel Brionis. I didn't ask her if I could, I just will anyway. <laughs> Rachel came to Nachamu Ami, and then Rachel left Nachamu Ami. Why? Because she said, I don't agree with everything you're saying. And then she went somewhere else and went to services. And then, thank God, <laughs> she came back. <laughs> and why did she come back? Because we had a conversation. Well, she came back because God wanted her to be here with her family. And she came back and she serves and she, she grows and she learns. But, but why did she come back? What earthly part did we play in that? Gave her one statement of freedom. I don't agree with you, Rabbi. Fine, that's okay. What? It's fine. You can have your opinion. We'll agree on a lot of things. We may not agree on everything. Okay. Great. Let's go forward. Okay. Done deal. Now I'll start serving the kids and doing all kinds of stuff and I'll like you guys again. Yeah. Remember when we talked about fundamentalists and we were talking about the Pentecostal movement? And we talked about something that caused the Azusa Street and the uh, revival and the fall away. And that was the rise of, of uh, uh, darn, what's the opposite of fundamentalism, Sam? There was the thing like the rational thought, I can't think of the word right now, where science and everything was, in the enlightenment came and then 100 years, 200 years later, now in the mid-1900s, science and Charles Darwin from the 18s and forwards, they're coming out and saying, that Bible's wrong, that can't be, that's not right, that's not right. And the fundamentalists came in and they adopted the idea that, listen, 
What I'm telling you the Bible says is what it means. That's not Jewish. And that, my friends, is the whole doggone problem. The Bible was written by Jews who knew it was okay to argue with one another. People say and call out the Pharisees all the time and say, look at Yeshua, he called him a brood of viper, you sons of Satan. Like every Jew is that. He was talking within his own family, in his own group. Like me saying to my brother, you are an idiot. Like I wouldn't say that to Sam. Well, well, it depends, God forbid, how low any of you ever descend into sin. If you come to me and say, I did this, I might say, you idiot. No, I won't. But within your own circles, you can talk a certain way, right? (laughs) And Jews have a foundational understanding that God is God and I'm not going to understand everything about Him. And this word He gave me, sometimes it's confusing. And sometimes things don't actually make sense to me in this. And so then we come and we sit down and we talk about it for a long time and we argue and then we walk away and I still think what I thought and you still think what you thought and so do the other three opinions in the room so that there's now five opinions of one text and we all walk out arm in arm and say, let's have some coffee. So what he's saying is that. Andy Stanley is saying that. But he's totally, totally lost the sanity, actually. So you hear me clearly. When I say Jesus is enough, you must have that in context. Andy and the rest of the world. Jesus wants you to love people the way that He demonstrated His love. Right? We already talked about that. And that's why we in Messianic Judaism talk about Messiah in the center. Nachum Wami's logo says it. Messiah in the center. Surrounding it is all the things that are, that are a part of Jewish study and Israel and one, in the, one uh, Jew and Gentile, one in Messiah, all those things. And so I hate to I I hate to always be right, but we're right again. And here's the challenge. Um I love this synagogue. I really don't love the synagogue. I love the people in the synagogue. <clears throat> but I love what God's done to our actual physical synagogue too. It's beautiful. It's a joy. I get to spend hours in here and I love it. Except when I was working at my desk on Wednesday and a mouse ran into my office behind my bookshelf. That I didn't love. And, and Melanie said, good, maybe the snake in your briefcase can get it. 
But hey, listen, not, I'll, let me toot God's horn. When he gives you 26 acres, there's going to be a couple of mice on it. Come on in, guys. Cats. Uh, so, I love, I love who we are. I love what we are. I love what God has finally brought us to be after nine years, which is basically what I just described. There are a lot of opinions represented in these chairs, and there's a lot of opinion represented on this platform right now. <laughs> and we may not always agree on that, but we love each other. Here's the one challenge. We are very small, have always been small. There's nothing wrong with that because Yeshua, in, and I'll come back to this in closing, but John 10, he's talking to a very small group of guys, 12 of them. The Maccabees, small group of guys. Moses and Aaron, small group of guys. There's nothing wrong with being small. But for us to have like a big local impact in central Georgia, gosh, and, and for what we talk about and our, our teaching and all the things, it might take decades to fill up this room with people. What's the, wh why do you always talk about numbers? What's the big deal? The big deal is that my job is to affect lives. And I want to affect all of your lives. And I want you to go out and affect other people's lives. Not infect, affect. I want you to affect their infection that they're getting from really bad teaching out there. But we continue to be a small group of people. And miraculously, we have maintained an incredible and like blessed budget and ability to do the things that we do in this congregation. Way more. There were like, there were like 35 people here the last several weeks. Okay? Our budget does not reflect the congregation of, of 35 attendees. The challenge is this. Everyone lives far away. I don't, most of the people in this room drive 45 minutes or further. Some people drive two hours one way to get here. Okay, so if everyone who came to this synagogue was here on any given day, guess what would happen? We'd probably fill up the room and it'd be great. But that's, that's not that important. We are at a time in our lives where we have the opportunity to affect culture and it's going to actually happen and here's this is not syncretism what i'm telling you is we're going to actually use the tools of modern culture to do that we're not going to tell them that the bible's irrelevant and god forbid you ever see me wearing skinny jeans or we have a laser show in here that's not what we're going to do but what we're going to do is make a way for the words and the ideas and the attitudes of this community to go out on a bigger scale. That's going to happen through, you ready for this? Investment. That's the pastor's word. 
It's the rabbi's word for money and diligence and hard work and labor and all the things that Yeshua talked to his guys about in chapter 10 of the book of Matthew. And so, I sent you out an email back on, I didn't even know it was Giving Tuesday when I sent this email out, but it was Giving Tuesday. So, I guess God, we should add Giving Tuesday to the Amidah because God obviously made that, that holiday up. <clears throat> but I'm going to come and just in closing this message, I'm going to say it's giving every day. Because we want to be able to send the message out. We'll do that through live streaming. We'll do that through doing things where people around the world can engage. I told you, did I tell you that I had the opportunity to do an online conference with a with a, a group, a great guy named Darren Jonker that I met uh, online, found us online, listened to the teachings online, said, we're a Messianic group in South Africa. would love to have you join me for a conference that we're doing and do some teaching. And I did, and it was great, and we had a good meeting. The next week, there were, six, there were more listens to Nahum Ami's sermons from South Africa than there were in the United States and New Zealand, and we have them from other places around the world. Well, wow, Damien, sounds like you really want to get famous. No, I don't. I want to affect the world. We will do it together, but it will take investment. And so, if you're in this room and you're a part of this congregation, if you're part of this congregation and not in this room, If you're not a part of this congregation and not in this room, and you're hearing this online, wherever you are, we need you. We need you to come alongside financially for the year ahead. And it's Shabbat, so we're not going to drive home this thing about money. But what I'm telling you is landing all four of these planes just happened before your eyes, because God did that. And here's what I want you to take away. We are past the time where we need to engage in battle. When Iki was here, I don't know who, who was here to hear Iki from Sterot, but Iki talked about a sword a lot. And like kind of squirming in my chair a little bit because Iki's like talking about, pick up a sword! And, you know, because he's Israeli, because he has had... 370 rockets fired on his area of the country in the, la- in the month of November alone because he's fiery, because he's all these things. Pick up a sword. So I'm not exactly telling you to pick up a sword, but the battle of Hanukkah, when I say that the ancient story of Hanukkah just became very relevant again, those people did have to pick up swords. We need to pick up a spiritual sword. Let me see your Bible. Who remembers what Yeshua said in Matthew 10? I don't. That's why I'm going to read it from the Bible. You ready? I kind of know what he said, but I'm not the best like quoter of huge sections of Scripture. 
So let me tell you something about what our Master, our Messiah, the coming King of Israel, the Lamb of God, the one who will show up on a white horse, and there's going to be a lot of blood and battle and death and destruction. I need the author of this book who compares Yeshua to the Old Testament God and says it's like it's like it's like Marcion it's like the first century all over again who says that the Old Testament God was mean and wicked and evil and gosh who could ever who could ever love him and then Jesus comes along read Revelation he's got a job to do but in Matthew 10 he says these are the names of 12 emissaries and he lists them and then he gives listen to me on this he gives these guys special abilities. People abuse things that they see in the Scriptures and they say, I'm claiming that. That's mine. Not necessarily. Yeshua gave, he had over, you know, like a lot of different, he had a lot of disciples. He gave these 12 guys. He says, these are the names of the 12 emissaries. And then in two verses later, these 12 Yeshua sent out with the following instructions. He gave them the authority to drive out unclean spirits, to heal every kind of disease and weakness. These guys were special. They had an incredible anointing being in the presence of the Son of God. But he tells them, don't go into the territory of the Goyim, don't enter any town, and Shomron, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim, the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, dead. cleanse those affected with Tarat, expel demons. You've received without paying, give without asking payment. Don't take money. He goes on and he says, when you come to a village, look for someone trustworthy. When you enter a household, say shalom aleichem. If they won't welcome you, leave. Pay attention. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Be prudent as snakes and harmless as dove. Be on guard, for there will be people who will hand you over to the local Sanhedrin. This is not like a real pretty thing going on here, is it? It's difficult. It takes work. It takes fortitude. And most of all, it takes an anointing and a protection from God. A brother will betray brother to death. Father is child. Children will turn against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but whoever holds out to the end, he will be preserved from harm. When you're persecuted in one town, run away to another. I won't, you won't finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. And he goes on at some point to say, do not suppose I've come to bring peace to the land. It's not peace I've come to bring, but a Sword. Yeshua is also not telling you to pick up a sword and go start decapitating like the demon-possessed Isis and all these people around the world are doing. He is, however, telling you there's a battle to be waged. And so when we talk about Hanukkah and when we talk about anti-Semitism and when we talk about false teaching, and then you look in the mirror, realize that you're one of the ones he's talking to. Because we are, I'm just going to say it, something special. This idea, this ancient idea of Messianic Judaism, 
Jews and Gentiles, one together in Messiah, holding up and exalting the word of God and teaching others and making disciples, this is something special and it's coming back. Don't let anyone take it from you. No author of any book, no crazy anti-Semite who says all Jews must die. We will pick up the spiritual sword together and we will, if we'll invest, affect the world in a strong and mighty way for one and only one purpose. To exalt the name of our God and His Son, Yeshua HaMashiach, the coming King. Michamocha Bailim Adonai. Be a Maccabee. Shabbat Shalom.